Well, this email came in from Taylor in Minnesota. Uh, Welp, turns out we're still here, LOL. We will continue watching and waiting. Yes, alas, we are still here. And you are also correct. We will continue watching and waiting. Uh, I've been listening to your studies on Matthew 24, and I wanted to ask you a question. You've stated that you believe that the whole chapter is basically set inside the seven-year tribulation or Daniel's 70th week. While I've always believed that a lot of the chapter indeed is describing events in the final seven years, some of it isn't at the same time. Uh, verse 2 would be fulfilled very soon for them when Jesus describes the beginning of birth pains. Do you think it's possible that the world has been experiencing those pains for around 2,000 years now? Uh, and uh, that they will intensify or increase in the final seven years. I guess that's the way I've always looked at it, and I know that we all have varying views on some of this, but I do believe the last days began back then, after he ascended according to Hebrews 1-2, uh, where uh, the author of Hebrews talks about how in times past and in various ways God spoke to the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Uh, I'd also say that while we are told people will be uh, saying these things have always been happening, Second uh, Peter uh, chapter three verse four. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is that I believe some of the 24th chapter of Matthew could possibly be referring to things that have been happening over the last two millennia, as well, and not just the final seven years, like wars and rumors of wars, persecution, false messiahs, Christs, uh, famines, and earthquakes. Uh, let me know if you think that's possible, or even makes Matthew 24 episode, uh, or make a Matthew 24 episode three. Uh, all right, well here we go. Uh, thank you, Pastor. God bless you and your family, Maranatha. Well, God bless you and yours as well. And indeed, come quickly, Lord. Um, well, the long and short of it is I absolutely agree with you. Um, and uh, uh, over the years, I have made a very, very strong point that I believe that Matthew 24 is pertaining to Israel. Israel is the focus. And and what I mean by that is that when it comes to passages like um um, yeah, no one knows the day or the hour, or one will be taken, one will be left. I don't think that pertains to the rapture at all. I think that is in regard to the second coming. I think that speaks of um, that period of time. I don't think that the church is in view, and therefore the rapture would not be in view during that passage. Um, now, believers disagree on that point. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's not an open, shut, slam dunk kind of thing among all believers, but that's where I come from on that. It It, it seems to me that a reading of the passage in its context uh, can just as easily be explained as pertaining specifically to Israel and the church not being in view. That being said, that is my main point of why I point out uh, Matthew 24 as pertaining to Israel and not the church. That said, though, um, I would absolutely agree with you that the things that we see being described here uh, would uh, not be confined to just the 70th week of Daniel. I do think that wars and rumors of war, false Christ, as a matter of fact, the uh, the predominant warning that Jesus gives, uh, both in terms of it being the first thing he says, but also he says it a number of times, is the danger of the false Christs and prophets and messiahs and such. We need to watch out for that. Clearly and obviously, they dealt with that in the first century. Uh, Paul talked about, um, he dealt with that throughout much of his writing, but he also spoke about how in later times, you know, there would be those who would ultimately succumb to doctrines of demons and such and be misleading people in that. So, we clearly see that going on throughout the church's history. Um, and to your point, I do think that absolutely it will intensify as we get closer and closer. Uh, I do think that while um, those event, those things do happen on the world scene, and therefore everybody is affected by them uh, during that period of time, that Jesus is forward-thinking and looking, uh, looking forward into the times that would lead up to his return. And so he is building toward a crescendo. But yes, indeed, I do believe those things have been going on 
uh, throughout the church age. And, um, and those things are not confined to the 70th week of Daniel, like, for example, the abomination of desolation would be, or when Christ returns in power and great glory. Um, and I think the, the, the remainder of chapter 24, where again, it speaks of no one knowing the day or the hour of his return, uh, or one taken, one left, one um, taken in judgment, one left to enter the millennial kingdom. Uh, I think that those things all fit within the 70th week and even right up to the end of the 70th week. But as far as the other events, yeah, I would certainly agree with you on that. Um, uh, the last days, by the way, just to clarify too, and I guess this video is probably more about clarification than anything, because I uh, um, I do want to make sure that I don't make assumptions when I make statements like this. And it's fair that, uh, that Taylor's asking about this, because chances are that I sort of have just kind of cavalierly spoken of things based on just maybe the assumption that that um, um, that I was being clear than I was. And so I uh, appreciate the opportunity to do that. Um, the last days, just by virtue of clarification there, is um, certainly a period of time we're in. But I say that not just because of everything I see going on around us and how it may line up with scripture, but I say it because Peter said it in Acts chapter 2. As a matter of fact, if you want to turn there for just a moment, um, um, this is an important point to make sure that we include in our conversations about the last days. Um, let me get here to Acts chapter 2. Again, I apologize. Normally I throw a bookmark in in advance so I can just flip there quickly for time. Didn't do that with this though. But uh, okay, so Acts chapter 2. Uh, this is uh, after the, the disciples, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in the upper room. And uh, in verse 16, uh, Peter is explaining what's going on, and he describes how this is actually a fulfillment of what Joel, the prophet, wrote in his prophecy in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. In verse 16, Peter says in this opening sermon uh, to these uh, uh, to those that had gathered there in Jerusalem, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Notice, it shall come to pass in the last days. This is happening in in uh, in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and it is the starting point of the last days. So we can say that the last days began really with the resurrection of Christ, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Right in that era right there is the beginning of what we call the last days. Uh, eschatology, in terms of understanding what is happening in the days leading up to Christ's return, begins to take on heightened importance from this point on. We now begin to march very clearly from that point to the time when Christ returns. Um, they, um, I was just having an email conversation with a, with a good friend, and, and we're just talking about differing views of uh, the imminence of Christ's coming um, in terms of uh, the rapture, I think that it's clear throughout uh, the New Testament that there was an expectancy of the Lord's coming. Uh, there is also the sense that they are living in the last days in that time when um, when the persecution of the believers became so intense. Uh, the Thessalonians, for example, write Paul and ask about what about those who have died, who, who weren't here when Jesus returned? What happens to them? Kind of indicates implicitly that they believed that they were living in the days that would see Christ's return. Um, I do believe, too, by the way, just for the sake of some further clarification, that the coming of Christ in the second coming can't just happen at any time because there are events that take place first, i.e. everything that the book of Revelation describes from chapter 6 through 1911, uh, chapter 19, verse 11. And so all of those events precede the coming of Christ, and then he comes and then he establishes his millennial kingdom. So um, the rapture, on the other hand, there is nothing in the scripture that must happen prior to that. 
Again, with respect to those who hold maybe a pre-wrath view or a mid-trib view, uh, obviously as a pre-trib, um, uh, one who holds to a pre-trib perspective, uh, I would see those passages that are pointed to from these other perspectives as as being explained differently. Um, but um, the idea of Christ coming to snatch away his bride, much like a Jewish wedding, could happen at any time. All that is really required is that the father say, see that the, the dwelling place is, is ready, and he tells his son to go get his bride. I think that that's all we're waiting for, is for this place that Jesus has gone to prepare for us that we read about in John 14. One day will be completed from the Father's perspective, and the Son will be then dispatched to go and collect his bride. I think that 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 is what we're looking for, and it can happen at any time. The second coming, on the other hand, um, according to places like Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, the 70th week is a seven-year period of time. That includes things like um, a rebuilt temple, an offering system that is back in place, uh, offerings and sacrifices. Um, um, Israel had to be back in the land. They had to have a temple. There had to be a place for the Antichrist to go in and desecrate and cause the offerings and sacrifices to cease. I'm sort of just garnering from, um, from again, uh, Daniel 9, verse 27, or 2 Thessalonians 2, or Revelation chapter 13, and and, uh, and then, of course, everything that precedes Revelation chapter 13 after the church age ends in chapter 4. And really, when we get to chapter 6, we begin to see this 70th week unfold. All kinds of things have to happen before Jesus physically returns to the earth, which is a different event than what uh, the rapture of the church is, where he snatches us up to meet him in the air. We'll actually be talking about that a little bit more tonight uh, in our midweek study uh, in uh, Zechariah chapter 14. Um, if this is posted before that, if not, you can go back and watch what's posted from that. Um, um, but but um, this is an important distinction. So when we talk about the coming of Christ and the rapture, that could happen at any time. The events of Matthew 24 and other passages that speak of, of last days and everything describe events that must take place. Coming back full circle, the idea of wars and rumors of wars, pestilence, earthquakes, false messiahs, those kinds of things. Yes, indeed, those are things that are going on now and will continue to go on, and I believe with greater intensity as we get closer and closer. So um, so there you go. There's, uh, I guess we'll call this Matthew 24, episode 3, um, in uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek here. But uh, but thanks for bringing that up, Taylor, and uh, and I apologize for any lack of clarity that I have brought to bear on, on my perspective on Matthew 24. Again, what I mean by the church is not a view in Matthew 24 is is that the church is not in view in Matthew 24. That doesn't mean that uh, whoever's around during the time when some of these things open up uh, aren't affected by it. But Daniel's 70th week specifically begins with the arrival of Antichrist, the breaking of the first seal. So all of these other things that Jesus describes in Matthew 24 that are commonplace in our day now, clearly the Antichrist is not on the scene yet, so we know we're not in the 70th week and in that respect, Matthew 24 can extend outside of the 70th week. But again, the church specifically, in terms of the eschatological ramifications of what goes on in Matthew 24, I just don't believe is in view. So hopefully that clears some of that up. And again, I apologize for for uh, for any lack of clarity that I may have brought on that over the, uh, the, the various posts that we've done on the subject. So I really do, again, appreciate you bringing that up, Taylor. Thanks for your email. And uh, if you have any thoughts or comments and want to share, you can certainly do that by sending an email to info at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can also uh, uh, comment on our YouTube channel. at uh, uh, You can look us up there at Calvary Chapel Franklin. And um, I also have a website. at uh, It's called parsonspad.com. You can go there, and these same videos are posted there. 
Um, you can also subscribe to the audio version of this podcast from that uh, location as well. So if you have questions or comments, you can also interact that way. So thanks for watching and listening. I really appreciate that and love taking the time to talk about these things. So thanks for taking time together on that. But the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace forever. Father, we do thank you for the hope that we have in what's coming. We look forward very, very much to seeing Jesus. Uh, Father, however that pans out and whatever um, circumstance we find ourselves in, when he comes to collect his bride, we are very, very excited to see him. So come quickly, Lord Jesus. In the meantime, though, Father, we would pray that we would um, have our hand on the plow, that we would not uh, cower in fear at what's going on around us, that we not uh, just hide ourselves away, but rather be like those in the first century who live their lives out daily. And we're also about the um, uh, the mission of bringing the gospel to people uh, as they waited. Help us to be of the same mindset as our brothers and sisters of that time. Father, we love you and thank you again for the great, tremendous living hope that we have in Christ Jesus and how, again, we long to see him. So please send him to come soon. We thank you, Father. We love you and praise you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen.